0: welcome to another session with the market dominance guys a program exploring all the high stakes speed bumps and off ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host chris Beal from connect and sell and Corey frank from branch 49 When you share your life nuggets, you don't know when it's going to matter to someone, observes Elena Hess, our Market Dominance Guys guest and the Vice President of Operations of Thomson Reuters Tax and Accounting Professionals in this third of three podcast episodes with our hosts, Chris Beale and Corey Frank. For the past four years, Elena has led the No Time to Read Book Club for the Girls Club, an organization dedicated to changing the face of sales leadership by empowering more women to earn roles in management. Corey starts off the conversation by asking Elena to describe what happens in a book club that doesn't require reading a book. She says, a book is just a vehicle for a conversation. You never know when something's going to resonate. She explains how the subject matter generates ideas and experiences that club members share with each other. And just like the book club participants, Corey, Chris, and Elena share ideas and personal insights of their own, which cover everything from the sales benefits of a live conversation over an email message to the trust-creating habit of asking for clarification when you don't understand something. As Chris says, the essence of curiosity is embracing our ignorance. So get ready to open your mind and heart to embrace what these three experienced sales share with each other and with you about the essence of this week's Market Dominance Guys podcast, Why Conversations Matter.
1: Yeah, Linda, just one last question for you, maybe a good plug for what we're just talking about here towards the end about empowering women leadership, particularly in sales and tech, which we're, you're at the heart of, certainly at Thompson, You have a book club, the No Time to Read book club. Maybe you can kind of end this with a little plug for the book club and kind of what you do yeah. and maybe some of the learnings over the years kind of
2: leading that. Absolutely. So one, the reason that the book club even exists in a way is because of Chris Beal, because Chris, you introduced, you told Lauren Bailey about me and she reached out to me for girls club. So that all happened. And so in the girls club organization, which I'm a part of as a thought leader and Lauren and Angela, I mean, there's so many great people there. We have this book club and we do it for each cohort. I think this is our third or fourth year. Um, What I really love about the book club is that it's really just a time for women. Sometimes there's men too. So this is not just a one gender conversation. Get a chance to pick a book. The first book I pick, the next two they pick. And it kind of tells you where their heads are. You know, where are they looking for help? Where do they want some insights? And we just talk. We just read the book. Sometimes they don't read the book. I'll be honest with you. There's a reason for the title. It's hard to squeeze in book reading sometimes. And a lot of the women in girls club, if I were making a general statement, I would say are women with families. A lot of times you got young kids, times precious. So we don't use that as a filter, if you will. So we have a book club in which reading the book is not necessarily needed because I always read the book and there's always some people that read the book and we just go through the highlights and, share our personal stories as they relate to the books. I I don't know if it's any more magical than that, Corey. It's really people coming together to say, oh, never thought about that. Or this is how I reacted to it. You know, when you're sharing your life nuggets, you don't know when it's going to matter to somebody. I will make a point to our conversation and how it all started, Chris. You flatter me and humble me with remembering a statement that I made many years ago. Frankly, that I would never have been able to repeat back to you if you asked me, Do you remember what you said? I would not have been able to, right? You never know when the teacher arrives. The student has to be ready. And I'm not saying you're a student in that respect, but you never know when something's going to resonate. You never know. So, anytime you can bring people together with some level of continuity to the conversation, you know, a book, that's just a vehicle for a conversation. Mm -hmm. A good book club. That is just the muse. You could go in lots of different directions and learn about each other and walk away with something that no one would have thought that one little something would have mattered. So I like to have spontaneous, interesting conversations because I never know when I'm going to learn something. God knows I never could have repeated back that quote you told me. I'm very happy that I gave you something that meant something, obviously. But yeah. Right? I mean, I bet you we all have things that resonated with us that the person who delivered it had no idea what they were delivering to you.
1: Well, Elena, we have almost 200 episodes of this podcast uh, stemming from my selfish, purely selfish desire to get inside of the head of Chris Fields. So, welcome to the club. I think that's a beautiful way to end this episode, especially since you're you're
3: almost making Chris cry again. So, uh, it's working. It's working. I'm a, what can
2: <laughs> you are I not crying. Don't tell me that. Yes, are
3: you? <laughs> I, I am, but I won't even hide it very well. Yes, yeah. Corey knows me well. The fact is we all have so much to learn from each other. And yeah. the, the essence of curiosity is embracing our ignorance. Yes. yes. Really being enthusiastic about our ignorance. I love being ignorant. It's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Whenever I think I know something, it makes me nervous.
2: Like, do you really know it? Yeah, I'm you, know, sure. you got to be vulnerable to that. Like, I'll be in conversations. And if someone says a word that I don't know, I will say stop, please. Can you tell me what that means? <laughs> because I don't know what you're saying right now. I'm sure I've looked really ridiculous, but No, just care. the opposite,
1: Elena. I think that's endearing. I think that for somebody who understands the courage it takes especially at a manager, director, vice president C-level to stop and ask a question like that. Hey, an acronym you use, especially in sales, we throw around these all the time. Oh gosh, yeah. I think that to me that there's gotta be some Chris Voss Candyland shortcut that that really engenders trust very, very quickly like a shortcut. If you say, stop, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Right. Uh, right? What you say, it's like you feel the burden on you and the trust part just catalyzes from there. Yeah. Yes. It's
2: typically but, people are saying things that are important and you want to have the same vocabulary or knowledge so you can move faster, kind of back to our original statements.
3: Yeah. So. Well, I mean, everybody's an expert on thousands, millions of things. In fact, we just don't know what they are until we have yeah. a conversation. Yeah. I mean, we have a little tagline at Connect and Sell. and I've had branding people talk to me about it, like, why don't you change that, you know, and make it fresher and just conversations matter. And it's not that they matter for selling. They just matter. We just can't figure stuff out on our own because our own experiences take us inside our own experiences. Right. And we need to be inside of other people's experiences in order to be able to gain access to what they're an expert at. And everybody's an expert at millions of things. I mean, it's not limited. You think of how long a life is. Well, years, there's years. Try milliseconds. We learn stuff hundreds of times a second. And we can't really share it with anybody unless we have a conversation. You have to have that high velocity, 20,000 bits a second, right into the midbrain. And then we have a shot. We have a shot.
2: And you know, let's absorb it and be brave enough to maybe change a position if you hear something that makes sense, right? Like don't get too buried in your own beliefs. Pick your values, but what I believe in I'm using those very differently, it could change a little bit because your experience has showed me something I never saw before. Now, that's why I think I'm not going to get political, I promise, but just generally both sides of the aisle. Once you pick a position, you got to stay consistent or else you're not considered credible. I want a leader who takes it all in and makes decisions that are right, not just following a pattern of an echo chamber, right? And so so yeah, it's okay to say you're wrong.
3: Oftentimes, well, well it's wrong all the time. So yeah, just ask my wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Into little diamonds. So, really this was the best conversation I've had in a long, long time. Oh, you're oh, so yeah.
1: sweet. It's you guys fantastic.
2: are very flattering. I don't know if you do this for everybody else, but you make people feel good to participate. I was very happy to do so. I've learned things. I've well, jotted <laughs> down books yeah. and movies
3: <laughs> yeah a little, it, little it, china it, it, go go watch that one that's a good movie <laughs> yeah my wife knows there's no such thing as a
1: quick conversation with chris right because the it's so tangential right i mean you talk about a lot about a lot of things right like yeah i've known chris for a long time i've never heard the primates example but this is a guy that reads scientific journals for fun right all the time <laughs> and so and it's the Jiro thing, right? Jiro, the, the movie, he dreams of sushi because he's such a craftsman that is so entrenched. As it say, by the work thou shalt know the workman, right? Yeah. So he's dreaming of sushi. And it's like, come on, it's just fish. It's just a meal. Just, can't you just go drive through somewhere? Or just go one of those things in Japan where they kind of go around and just grab a sushi? It's like, no, you're missing the point. Well, can't I just dial and talk to people? Can't I just email? Isn't it the yeah. same? It's going, to, it's going yeah. to take a little bit longer, but come on. It's like, you're missing the art and the honor and the, yeah. the dignity of the profession. So
2: yeah, I, I love those last few things you just said, the art and the honor and the dignity of our profession. Mm-hmm.
3: Like and I think we would do well to spend more time with our sales teams on these topics. Yeah. Sales, you know, people will say, well, sales is an honorable professional, that kind of stuff. I don't think most people selling in the innovation economy even get what they're doing, why they're so important.
0: We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays, to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris.
3: And we tend, to, I think, sadly, to, by by leaving the coin-operated comp plans in place, we actually insult our salespeople by saying something, I thought, this is a, Jap, a Japanese thing, I spent a lot of time in Japan at one point in my life, and doing a big joint venture with Mitsui, and so I was dealing with kind of board-level people there, and they're very mm-hmm. happy to let you be yourself, but if you're open, they're happy to teach you about what it's like to be them, which is really... Kind of interesting. interesting. Right? And I think about the thing that characterized Japanese society more than anything else was that it's insulting to tip somebody. And yet we pay our salespeople by tipping them. The commission is a tip. Right? It's like the the implication in Japan, the thing that's so insulting is you're saying to them, I don't believe you would have done your job with excellence unless i gave you this additional financial incentive mm-hmm. and that's an absolute insult to a japanese person to say you did it for the money you did you went the extra mile not because of who you are your commitment to the excellence of what you're doing and the joy of serving somebody you did it because you're trying to get 20% instead of 18% and it's like the deepest insult and I think yeah. we have a hangover in our society from sales at the crossroads where a commission would make sense because I basically I'd trick you into buying and I should be rewarded for it, right? That's kind of what it was, right? And now here we are, we're actually in partnership with people we have not yet met. That's the essence of the modern salesperson is your tribe includes people you have not yet met that mm-hmm. you're going to help that you're going to be curious about and you're going to help. And yet we base our compensation schemes on the notion that you wouldn't really do it unless like there was something in it for you.
2: So I'm curious, I will say this when I first started in sales and probably the reason that I was willing to go into a sales position, because I'm a CPA, right? So that part of my brain wasn't like, what commissions, you know, like, I don't want to put anything at risk. Right. But when I started at creative solutions, they did not have commissions. It was, straight salary there was no anything but kind of to your point we looked at reports all the time to see where who was selling the most like that was driving behavior but it wasn't paying based on that behavior so my question to you Chris since you've had a lot of exposure here how did Japan how do the Japanese companies pay their sales reps is it strictly a salary is there no differentiation for excellence They just don't use money for that. What what do you see?
3: Well, in their sales world, God knows what they do. I never got into that. That was not part of what I was, uh, it's kind of funny. I never felt in these long relationships that we were putting together that anybody was working me for a commission. I never felt that, not even for a minute. And I never also felt, I have no instances to counter this, that a handshake wasn't as good as a contract. Never, not once. There was no like, oh, here's a word here. Oh, we could do this. Oh, whatever. You didn't do deals other than on an achievement of mutual understanding of what you were going to do next, and that was the deal itself. There was no other deal. I don't know how to these people, but mm-hmm. I do know that every time I would go to leave Narita Airport in Tokyo, and there's a there's a yellow line that you cross. Then, and you're no longer in Japan, right? Oh. You cross that line, okay. I would stop at that line.
2: And like have, um, I would um, stop because I
3: felt like I was leaving civilization. It's yeah. like we have examples here. We don't need to have this corrupting system where I have to grease your palm a little bit before you'll carry my suitcase.
0: Right. We don't
3: need. We don't have it everywhere, right? We have salaried mm-hmm. positions. We trust our engineers to work without tipping them for a line of code or giving a commission on a line. Can you imagine? It's like, hey, you wrote 26 lines of code today. $55, yay, go. It's, we would actually be concerned. It's like, oh my God, this stuff's got to work. That could be sloppy. Yeah. I, want it, I want it to be right. And what do they get? They get their stock options and they get their opportunity for promotion and they get their career, which is actually worth more than all that. put together, you get your reputation, you get your career You get the fact that you can walk out the door without taking a single step. You get all of that. And I think we still have got a cultural hangover. It's we got untrapped from the office and we can now choose to use the office. Mm. But we've never gotten untrapped from the coin-operated notion of a salesperson.
2: Mm. And it's a very distracting part of the business because if you don't have the coin-operated machine well-oiled, Highly tuned with all the variations, it's like a pinball machine, right? And as I pull it back, I'm trying to hit as many things as I possibly can. And if I hit them and didn't get paid, now my focus as a salesperson is: this isn't right. working. How much do I need to get paid? And I'm in the back of my mind at the at the very least, that's distracting me from my relationships.
1: Well, um, the social contract is is they're going to feel it's broken. You exactly. hired me and you're going to spend all this money on all these MarTech stack tools. Mm-hmm. I follow your playbook. I should have six figures and I should hit my quota. And when I don't, right. Hey, right. It's tough to look at effectively, right. I'm going to look at probably the leads, my boss, my manager, my comp plan, my commute, <laughs> whatever it is, that's natural. And actually in the movie in, in Juro, they talk about, that other concept we've we've heard right kaizen that continuous improvement right that means kind of principle. but the piece that they talk about in Juro and Musashi a great incredible book from the 17th century about the samurai way and they the Japanese they call it Ikigai and it's finding one's central satisfaction and meaning in life it's the reason for being Um, for your
2: personal reason for
1: being your own personal reason for being that's that's one of the Japanese philosophies that they have. Right, is that it describes your your value and your own worth to you? It's your life and your purpose. And when you like Chris, right, you've been going around Tokyo, the cabs are impeccably clean. They're like 1986 maximus. The cab drivers are impeccably dressed and they wear white gloves. Wow.
3: Right. And they smell good. They smell good. They smell great. They all smell the same. They all smell great.
1: Oh, wow. so that, I think that pride starts at home. That pride of, listen, I like my lot. If I cared about my title, I'd be a banker, right? So, But if I'm a salesperson, man, the only thing I have to show, I can't have really my title. I got to have my stuff, my currency. Oh, really cool.
2: yeah. And I've thought about it that way, but yeah.
1: Other currency, which is learning curiosity, being supportive group, et cetera, et cetera. So
3: but anyway, I think the lock-in comes from the market. I mean, We pay our salespeople commission because the lock-in comes from the market. The lock-in to the office came from the market. And then the market blew up because it turned out it was better to work from home than to die. Uh-huh. But that's what it took. It actually took, oh, and otherwise down. we're going to die, right? The fact that we commuted for an insane amount of time, mean, truly, if you just think about it, Right? we did an episode on this. <laughs> The hundreds of billions of dollars in the hours spent just commuting makes no sense. Once you figured out how to do something remotely, and you can't go back and find them and go, oh, we were so good together that it was worth two things. One is all the commuting, and two is having our entire talent pool be within 50 miles of us instead of everybody on earth. Those things were incredibly valuable. They weren't incredibly valuable. They were just like They were locked in.
2: So I'm going to say I have a point. I know you got to leave in a minute and I'm going to respect that. But I will say this on to return to work. I believe in everything you just said. Right. There's a lot of waste in commuting. However, if I can't accidentally bump into anyone on a video call, I can't do it. Right. And my learnings come from accidentally bumping into the world I live in. And if I'm not at least coming into a central place where other people that I want to bump into are there periodically, I'm talking about hybrid, like two days a week. Then I lose. The company loses. But it's a really hard message to get across to people who are so used to now working from home all the time because it's hard to argue your productivity comment. uh, comment. Or or, or the rest of
3: your life. For the rest of your life. It's like who are you working for? Are you working for the man, so to speak? By the way, my one minute is may come here. I, I think what we're going to see on this topic is we're going to see the market play out and the yeah. market is now for top talent. And the top talent is simply going to call, they're going to call the game. Yeah. The rest of us who are who hire top talent, we are now, we're in the thrall of those people. They are our customers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And so it's not like, it's not a very subtle game at this point. It's simply what do they want? And if they want to bump into people, well, maybe they'll bump into people. Here's where I think they'll end up going. Well, Corey knows I'm a mathematician by background and I've never lost that hideous nature. The, The math says that we should get together, but less frequently and more intensely. Yes. So where the conferences used to be to meet customers, we will start having conferences to be with each other. Yeah. and to actually take that time truly away from other things and not just bump into each other but bump into each other with a little intentionality but still bump into each other. And yeah. The other flip is when you do that it's like opening a digital relationship with a conversation. When you get together immediately and I do mean immediately and I've charted this stuff you start interacting differently with the people you were just with physically when yes. you're texting them and and so the case yes. the catalyst for that future but it, two days a week i think might be a little much but two days a month all getting together maybe not at the office but somewhere else where it's like it's because the flights are cheap the, ho- yeah. the hotel venues or whatever conference venues are cheap and when people get away they focus with each other and you can have fun. And fun is the other thing that people got to have fun together.
2: Yeah. I think your point is is right on. And I think that's one of the reasons that we successfully lifted and shifted in COVID is because we already had the tapestry of trust within physical contact with my, my team, right? And yeah. then we were able to go and continue that. The problem is, as we were hiring people remotely, we don't have that physical connection, that meeting up with each other. And I don't know the, the 100% remote people as well. I
3: just don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we got
2: we to gotta create situations. We could talk all day.
3: And we'll make one more point. You have a 20,000 bit per second channel into somebody's midbrain in a conversation. And I don't think we pick up the phone enough. I talked for 42 minutes this morning with one of my reps that I had no reason whatsoever to speak with when I woke up this morning. And Mark and I now have got this 42 minutes That's 42 minutes times 60 seconds a minute times 20,000 bits of emotion laden information, even though we don't think of it that way. And what were we talking about? Friction in our sales process. Mm -hmm. And we were just getting down into the nuances of if you do it in this order, there's friction, but this order, there's no friction. So are you willing to try it in this order instead of the traditional order? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was bumping into each other. Why? Because there was. A conversation that somebody who sets meetings for me had with somebody that Mark's going to do a test drive with. And I wanted those two to talk in a debrief sense. Yes. So I sent a text to both of them. And then Mark said, oh, you sent me a text and he called me and we bumped into each other. The key, That's I great. think, is to get away from the damned email
2: yeah.
3: and thinking that you're communicating when you're sending email because you aren't.
2: yeah. That's one of the reasons I like team, Teams Chat. It's the closest thing to bumping into somebody I can do because I can spontaneously, that's not a word, say, "Hey, do you got two minutes? Because yeah. I need to pick your brain." So
3: yeah, well, Helen sells that stuff, so I'll tell you how much that how much value. That's uh, <laughs> Teams Chat. By the way, I've been listening conversations at Microsoft about what they want their customers to do because she's now a customer success. The only word I heard yesterday, and I heard it over and over, is phone, which is really, really interesting. And she oh, has she you. has people working for her in customer success who actually are spontaneously asking, can we do some cold calling? I want to talk to people outside of the IT people we're talking about. Oh, well.
2: That's awesome.
3: Customer success is the new sales. And thank God we don't pay them commissions. That's where I'm <laughs> going to end. <this. laughs> Helena, I tell you what. Next chance we have, let's get together somewhere. Yes. And, um, this was a great get together, though. Yeah, so this
2: was awesome. I very much appreciated. Nice to meet you, Corey, and nice to get to know you more, Chris Beal. Congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Thank um, you. Helen sounds fantastic. If she could have captured the heart and the mind of Chris, hmm.
3: <laughs> she wins. <laughs> no, I win. I'm the lucky one. Oh, so, yeah, sweet. I'm just a lucky old beast. That's like. Corey calls himself a big, dumb farm animal. I'm just a lucky beast that wandered into the right corral.
1: Well, Elena, it's a been an absolute, uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for finally uh, saying yes to this, which I'm sure was Chris's frequent torments to you. Come on the show, come on the show. So thank you for finally saying yes. So another episode in the books, Chris, with one of the best yet, with one of the brightest yet. So with Corey Frank coming in for our Chris Beale, the Sage of Sales, the Prophet of Profit. And Elena, you're now the, the curator of curiosity. How about that? We'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll take it. The title it was great. I love it. Take it. Until next time, this is the Market Dominus guys.
0: Connect and Sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their Impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe.